in the last year, but mostly last week. On the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Carson Wentz has a lot more questions that he needs to answer than Baker Mayfield. So what would Carson Wentz be if you dropped him into the Cleveland Browns offense? I have no idea. And that's terrifying. Is that that all you have? Is that it? Okay. Is that all? Man. Get the fuck out of here. It's the argument ender. You can't come back to a megaphone. Do not draft Riley Ridley. I feel like you're going to sell me some coke right now. And dragons roar. Ramsey's eating a sausage. Wait, that's when you realize that the show is going down a road of hackery? Who's the uh, crippled kid? Brandon? I don't think they call those people crippled anymore, Nate. Who's the who's the paraplegic kid? Who's who's the paraplegic boy? What happened? Where am I? Hello? It's like podcasting with Rip Van Winkle. And I just came off a cruise, bro. I feel great. No one cares that you feel great right now. Do you not know how the show works? I do a good job, though. You know, I'm like here, lucid. Do you do a good job, though? And so look at you, the Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no ghost. And yeah, Lamar Jackson, man, it's fantasy football. So many others are dismissing him as Tim Tebow. And my response is, he was a rookie. What are you talking about? Why don't you direct that criticism at Josh Allen? Any reason? Any reason? Any? Any reason you can think of, Nate? And if you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! And I'm best known for talking about Dynasty League football on a podcast with boner sounders and fart noises. I built player profiler, for Christ's sake. Of course I understand the allure of DK fucking Metcalf. And uh, Bezos. Yeah, he could do better. When you got that much money, ah, that's all right. He'll fix her up. What's wrong with you? And Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, what's happening, man? Feeling smooth, drinking a little wine, unwinding on the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. Oh, man, this is going to shake it up. I've got some uh, really low-tone hip-hop chill music playing in the background of my headphones so we'll see if i'm even less here than normal why are you doing that that sounds distracting it's just as sexy as drinking wine that's true so low tone <laughs> hip-hop with a little rioja <laughs> look at that wow quite a cup there more of a goblet yeah like a chalice i don't even know what that was it's nice real nice real cristal so what is the good word sir we were talking earlier about your follower count oh yeah how it should be higher 
Should it be? I think it should be. I looked at your number of followers, and for someone that's in my orbit, the pod father. Oh, my God. With my brand and our audience, I was shocked that you're under 5,000 followers. You're still on that list of people who is nominated for best follows under 5,000. Like, best under-the-radar follows in fantasy football. You're still, in quotes, under the radar. Yeah, that's right. I haven't. Where your friends and family are giving you pity follows. Uh, I wish. My dad doesn't follow me on Twitter. Your dad's on Twitter? I hope not. No, I don't know that for sure. I, I, I truly hope not. Dear God. My dad still doesn't use computers. Really? No, he doesn't use computers. He has no need for computers. He has a remote control. That's as far as he needs to go. Does he at least have like the, the smartphone? Or is he still on the flip phone? No, he just got off the flip phone. He just moved to the iPhone. Wow. It was shocking. <laughs> it's a real. He just uses it for phone calls and text. It was to text better. It was for more efficient texting. He finally got moved off the flip phone. He was sick of hitting two, three times to get to the seat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that very well. I used to do the ABC button where you just keep tapping it so you got to where you want. Things are very streamlined now, though. That's right. Much better. We're struggling here to get the show off the ground. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I was assuming you were going to say something there. To me, that was a test of who really carries this show on their shoulders. The Atlas <laughs> test. Oh, man. For the podcast. I just, for the first time in show history, decided that in a silence vacuum, I would not talk. And guess what happened? <laughs> silence ensued. I didn't say anything. Well, because I'm looking at the show sheet. I of can course. Skip oh, the of course. One. Yes, of course. Of course. If you want me to roll to the next one, I can. I have a mansion lifestyle segment always ready in case this happens. <laughs> in the event that we have a dead air problem on the show, and we've never had a dead air problem on the show. We make fun of big company and J. Wayne Dwayne for their dead air epidemic that ravages their show every episode. <laughs> We rarely run into this. So what I will tell you is I just opened a jar of pickles. And have you ever had a situation where you couldn't open the jar of pickles, even though you have big, strong hands, that lid just wouldn't move? Yeah, I, uh, I have definitely run into that problem and even more embarrassing versions of the same problem. What was the embarrassing version? What were you trying to open? The most pathetic moment of my life. My hands are kind of screwed up from all the years of whatever the hell it is I've been doing. What does that even mean? It did, you know, like jujitsu and stuff like that. Oh, jujitsu and stuff like that. You're so modest, you can't tell people that you do jujitsu. I just don't, you know, it makes you sound like you're trying to be a tough guy, but it doesn't matter. So I, uh, I was trying to take the lid off of my men's vitamins. Couldn't get it off. Had to have my wife open it. <laughs> Seems like a fairly ridiculous situation, but nonetheless. Do you want to know the kitchen cheat for opening any jar any time? More than anything. Put on rubber dish gloves. <laughs> okay. You put on two rubber dish gloves and you can snatch and hold the base of the jar and with the other hand open the jar and you get such an incredible grip with these rubber gloves on both hands mm. that Boop. just pops right off. Just pops right off. It doesn't sound the same. It's got a real... Real snap. Oh, there yeah. you go. I don't have that particular manual mouse sound effect in my yeah. arsenal. Thank you, Nate. Each each week now, I find myself teaching you how to make sounds. Last week, it was the... 
And this week, it's the, the snap of the jar. I don't know why I think of that as such a sensual noise. It doesn't look sensual when you're doing it, but when I hear it in my headset, it sounds sensual. Me, me personally doing it, no. But if someone else did it, maybe. Can we move on to your followers? How many followers oh. do you have? Something over 4,000. You have between four and 5,000 followers. That's where I live. That's that is part. half the number I expected to see. When I went to your account, I expected you to have about 8,000 followers. The fact that you had just over four was embarrassing. Like, I felt embarrassed on your behalf. <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe I need to start, like, you know, I don't know, do, like, pictures of me, like, flexing, I guess, or doing, you know, I don't know, like, pulling an airplane with a rope. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I've retweeted you so many times, and yet it's not moving the needle. I don't understand it. So what I think we need to do is because we literally have tens of thousands of people listening to this show. Inevitably, there are listeners of the show that are on Twitter and don't follow you. As Nate mentions at the beginning of every show, follow me at an outraged Jew. You actually need to go and follow him at an outraged Jew. That is the instruction from the Podfather. Go do it. Go do it now. And tell your friends and family to follow Nate List. We need to get him over this 5,000 follower threshold by the end of the month. By the end of January, I need him to have 5,000 followers or we will have failed. That's quite a push. Yeah, if I can't get over 5,000, we'll probably just have to cancel the show for the whole year. Or you could just delete your Twitter account. I think that'd be better. Yeah. You're like, hey, guys, I tried. I gave it a shot. I couldn't get traction. I'm hitting the delete button. I have no choice. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to walk away. The noble thing would be for me to follow my own sword and delete That's right. it. That's right. And I'm doing you this favor to try to gin up your follower count because you did me a favor. You went and bought Girl Scout cookies for my daughter, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might want to elaborate on just how many cookies I bought from your daughter. Five boxes, but you didn't actually buy cookies. You decided to donate them to a program that they have called Cookies for Heroes. So there's a lot of people out there that want to support the Scout or the Girl Scouts of America, but they don't necessarily like cookies or carbs or whatever. They're either anti-carb, anti-sugar, they're on the paleo diet, lots of reasons. So they have an option to donate. And that's what you ultimately did, but when you first... (laughs) Here we go. ...went shopping for Girl Scout cookies on my daughter's website, and there's not a slick and easy way to shop for cookies on my daughter's website. The easiest thing to do is to join Patreon patreon.com forward slash podfather and on our patreon feed i have a video from my daughter pitching her cookie service so go to patreon get signed up join the community and you get to share not only in conversations on patreon about the news of the day place where i can go and actually provide advice to fantasy teams evaluating trades evaluating free agent pickups i don't do it on twitter i do it on patreon but i also share these behind the scenes nuggets on patreon as well as i do a show called the backstage pass a separate independent show just for patrons every week so go there, go there now, patreon.com forward slash podfather. Nate goes and goes to buy cookies, and he was the only person, over 30 individuals, went and bought cookies for my daughter who chose the in-person delivery option. <laughs> to put this in context, just how incompetent oh Nate Liss is at ordering cookies online. Oh. We live in Fairfield, Connecticut. Nate Liss lives in Portland, Oregon, thousands of miles away. Nate List chose in-person delivery. <laughs> yes. What? 
Oh, man. I didn't realize that it was going to stifle this situation so much. I just thought it would be a hilarious thing. And Matt texts me the next morning and he goes, we can't deliver these in person. I had to cancel the order. You're unbelievable. Well, that was the key. You're unbelievable. I think I started with that. Uh, You had the order wrong. I started with you're unbelievable. And you wrote what? uh, As if you didn't know. And apparently you didn't know that. I thought it was a joke. But it was just incompetence. That's what happens sometimes. Sometimes you think something's a joke because you're giving someone credit, and then it turns out they're just an idiot. Maybe this is why I'm under 5,000 followers. And the other thing, though, and I tried to correct that, was that <laughs> was that I checked the other box that said if they can't be delivered, they're to be donated. But then Matt tells me that he had to cancel the order. So me being the nice guy I am, and this is this is out of characteristic for my people, I go back to the same website and I make an additional purchase to amend the canceled purchase and later find out that both purchases have now gone through, which is fine. And they're all donation. Of course, both purchases went through. No one buys anything from the Podfather and doesn't eventually get charged for it. Come on now. Come on now. You know, you know the drill. You know, you're, you're losing that money. You buy once, you buy again. That's right. We're very sticky. And I have to say I'm disappointed in the audience that we have not received enough feedback about the last show that we did, specifically my soliloquy on Carson Wentz. Because I went as far as anyone can go on a single player. Point after point, just a bulleted list of precise and concise reasons why Baker Mayfield is a superior dynasty asset to Carson Wentz. And it was so comprehensive that you had nothing left to contribute. But instead of congratulating me on what was the best take of the year on Roto Underworld Radio... Because it will be months before I can put together a take that comprehensive and true. I have a couple of those in me a year. And yet, after I was finished, your response was, Is that all? Is that all? (laughs) Oh, God. Is that all? (laughs) Is that all? Yes, Nate. In fact, when it comes to Carson Wentz in Dynasty... When you listen to the last show, I can tell you with definitive certainty, yes, that is all. Oh my God. I was wondering if this was going to come back up. I figured that 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 comment would haunt me. And you just weren't on your game that day. You didn't react to it initially. And that was the, the only thing I could do when losing a debate is dismiss all the content. But I was on my game. I was so on my game that I was mentally and physically exhausted after right. completing that analysis of Carson Wentz. I had nothing left to give. You were, you were gassed. And could do nothing with that quip, which was brutally insulting. Is that all? Yes, that was all, Nate. Thank you. Is that all? <laughs> Look, you got to understand, my role on the show is is like comic relief slash sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not here. And is in, that all? And in that moment, I'm still angry about that. You never know when a particular slight will turn the knife. But in this case, you really turned the knife with that. It was a... Uh, 
a time delayed release. Is that all? Is that all? I mean, I was listening to what you were saying, and then I was like, eh, I guess that's all right. Is that all? Is that all that you have? Yes, it was all. You let it go. That's fine. I'm glad you aired it all out. Did you watch some football last weekend? Goddamn right I did. It was a pretty good game. <laughs> some great games. NFL seems like it's back. It They have good matchups. There's good players and good teams got deep into the playoffs. The, the overtime in two games was fantastic. I mean, to put it in context, the AFC Championship last season was Patriots-Jaguars. Just to put it in context, how far Jesus. we've come as a sport. In one year, we went from Blake Bortles to Patrick Mahomes. Blake Bortles is dead. I mean, what happened to the Jaguars? I don't want to open up an entire new conversation here. But but did we know Blake Bortles was bad for years? Everyone knew Blake Bortles was bad except the Jacksonville Jaguars. So much so that they went out and drafted Leonard Fournette over Patrick Mahomes. The Leonard Fournette pick will go down as one of the worst draft picks of all time, exacerbated by the fact that Mahomes and Watson went a few picks after. And all they had was Blake Bortles. Yeah, but the real problem is... Blake Bortles at age 23 totally mind-fucked him and had a 35-touchdown season with almost 4,500 passing yards. But you have to understand efficiency. It wasn't an efficient season. Right. That's why we have efficiency metrics. It's why player profiler exists. Clearly, no one in the Jacksonville Jaguars organization is using player profiler, and that's not on us. That's on them. We're doing our part. We created player profiler. Hey, man, Blake Bortles is still a spry 26 years old. Maybe we'll get another shot. Blake Bortles is a zero. <laughs> okay, okay. And anyone with plans to ride Josh Allen into the sun in Dynasty Leagues, Blake Bortles is a cautionary tale. Because two years ago, I was hearing and reading the same analysis of Blake Bortles that I'm hearing now about Josh Allen. Yes, he's inefficient, but he has the tools and he's mobile. And that's exciting. No, it's not exciting. It's not exciting at all. He's a red herring quarterback. Now, no one in this audience has any Josh Allen. So it's not like you can go out and trade him because no one owns him. No one owns him. There's no one that has Josh Allen. But I would revise the hashtag never Josh Allen in the following way. And we'll get to this later in the show because I have Cooper Cup and I have Calvin Ridley and Deshaun Watson in a handful of leagues, and I was not advocating drafting either of those players. But in patron leagues, where everyone is a serious listener of the show, all three of those players fell precipitously in the draft, and I eventually had to rush into the void and select them a round or more after they would typically be drafted in a rookie draft. Getting Cooper Cup in the third round. Getting Deshaun Watson in the third round. Getting Calvin Ridley at the end of the second round. Eventually, someone has to step into the breach and draft that guy. And it just so happened to be me in a bunch of drafts. And I then moved Calvin Ridley. I then moved Deshaun Watson. I still have Cooper Cup because I became a Cooper Cup believer. My evaluation of Cooper Cup evolved over time. And while my Deshaun Watson evaluation also evolves, too late, already traded him away. But you step into the breach and you draft these players in hopes that they ride a wave of random chance and somehow fool the public into thinking they're better than they actually are, and then you trade them the following year. So better to draft a player in the third or fourth round of a rookie draft who's going to get playing time, whether he's overrated or not, 
So you could flip him, then draft a player that's not going to play and will lose value as the 2018 season goes along. Josh Allen, on the other hand, gained value as the season went along. His dynasty stock rose. I can't control that. I still think he's bad. But the bottom line is his dynasty value rose. And there was a point in every rookie draft where Josh Allen should have been drafted. But I said I would never draft him under any circumstances, and that was misguided. I don't own Josh Allen anywhere, so I don't have necessarily much of a take there because I'm like you. I wasn't a fan of Josh Allen. I mean, there was a lot of reasons coming into the NFL why most of us weren't a fan of Josh Allen. I mean, I'm intrigued by his rushing production, but at the same time, I don't want to pay a ballooned value for a player that I also believe will eventually phase out because the rushing production isn't going to help him in terms of of producing better numbers as a passer. That's just something that has to happen through progress. And I think most of us can agree that Josh Allen likely won't progress that much more. My man, Eric McClung who writes for Player Profiler, he put together analysis of Josh Allen, looking at comps back through time. He wrote it for Yahoo. It's on our timeline. You can just Google Eric McClung and Josh Allen or Josh Allen and Tim Tebow to see his analysis. Josh Allen's 2018 closely parallels Tim Tebow's breakout season with the Denver Broncos. Inefficient, fueled by rushing production, and unsustainable. The, the problem is that the lens that we're looking at him through is typically a fantasy lens where reality is at the same time, you need to be able to look at him through an NFL prospect, NFL you know player lens where teams aren't going to put up with just a rushing ability and a lack of passing ability. It's not going to sustain at the quarterback position if you can't do it. So yeah. yeah, Tim Tebow was a top 10 quarterback that season when he was playing. In the games Tim Tebow played that season, he was a top 10 quarterback. And, and so what? He was a productive fantasy quarterback, but he was a sell in dynasty because that playing style isn't sustainable. That level of inefficiency isn't sustainable. Tim Tebow is not good. Blake Bortles is not good. And Josh Allen is not good. <laughs> like I was trying to say, and Buffalo is going to have to alter that offense so much to play with this style. To mask Josh Allen's many flaws. They're going to need better receivers. Uh, The offensive line is going to have to, you know, people in Seattle say that it's hard to block for Russ because Russ moves so much in the pocket. And that's why it always seems like he doesn't have a good pocket to pass from. Josh Allen runs so much that that offensive line can't do anything for him. And at some point, he's going to take a big hit and miss some games. And he's going to start to be fearful as a runner. And his game might alter a little bit. And when he's forced to pass the ball, that's when the exposure is going to happen. And that's when the clock is going to start, if it hasn't already for Buffalo, because he needs to be able to throw the ball as well as being capable of running this ball. And I'm with you. He's definitely a selling dynasty. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, I am trading Josh Allen to either the New York Giants or Jacksonville Jaguars the moment the offseason begins. Josh Allen hot potato. That's the name of the show. (laughs) That's good. Oh, good, good timing on that. Well, let's move off of Josh Allen. Can we, can we go back? You can't say let's move off of Josh Allen. That's a hacky radio transition. You just have to start talking about it. Can I show you how to do a real transition? Can I show you how to do a proper seamless segue? Yes. In a podcast? Can I? Yes. Can I coach you up? How many times can I say yes? You know, Josh Allen was on quite a run at the end of the season. Pun intended. This is no better. But you know who solved him? The New England Patriots. This is no better.
And big surprise, the New England Patriots solved Patrick Mahomes, essentially. And now they're in the Super Bowl. Can the Patriots solve Sean McVay? Some analysts say no. See how I segued seamlessly from Josh Allen through the Patriots into Sean McVay? I got to be honest with you. I mean, you came off a little arrogant before you did it, and then you did it. I, I mean, it was okay. It was it was okay, but then I was expecting something way better. Okay, Matt, that was a great conversation about Josh Allen. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's now talk about the New England Patriots and the Super Bowl that's coming up. What do you think about this game, Matt? Dude, that was a good one, though. <laughs> is that the real one, or is that the was that supposed to be me? That was an exaggerated version of your hacky transition. I don't sound like that. But I would love to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm sure you would. You're dying to talk about the Super Bowl. Everything on the show sheet I put together, your contribution is let's talk about the Super Bowl. Detailed show sheet. Oh, God. Call back to Carson Wentz. Let's talk about Josh Allen. We have a fun game to play. All that I conceptualized. Your contribution was, let's talk about the Super Bowl. It's such a big game, I figured it was worthy of all the other things you added by itself. Yes, Nate, thank you. There's a big game coming up, I'm aware. It's a big big football game coming up. I'm glad you put it on the show sheet and reminded me. What would I have done without this note to talk about the Super Bowl? It's going to morph into a fucking gorilla over here and just sit on the other side of this microphone and throw shit out there. Who do you think is going to win? Oof. Man, you know, I'm going to have to go with the uh, the always fantastic New England Patriots. I just think that— Stop it. No, I'm dead serious. Stop it. I just think that th- there's another— This is your Seattle Seahawks PTSD from that Malcolm Butler interception talking. You know, when Brady threw that interception in the end zone the other day, I was like, serves him right. <laughs> serves him right. <laughs> At the goal line, should have ran it. The PTSD. Should I? Every Seahawks fan has Malcolm Butler PTSD. Oh, God. When we throw the ball inside the three, we all just... <laughs> everybody just gets real... You're seeing ghosts. We get real tense. <laughs> yeah. Just shockingly bad every time it takes place. You know what would be funny is if we were in a huge spot in the Super Bowl after that game and really needed Malcolm Butler. be hilarious if Belichick refused to play him. That would be amazing imagine that he doesn't play and you don't win because of it no way that would ever happen but it's hilarious to think about (laughs) yeah look i really think that the new england patriots are going to win this game i realize that in the back of everybody's minds we're thinking about nadamakin sue we're thinking about aaron donald and that pass rush and how are they going to find a way around it we're thinking about the fact that rams are better at every level on both sides of the football yep yep you're right I mean, I don't know what to say. The Patriots will continuously find a way to keep themselves in these games. They've got a good run game. Edelman is unstoppable. Tony Romo is the only guy that knows how to stop the Patriots. That's it. When did I start doing a fantasy football show with Mike Francesa? Is that all you got on the Super Bowl? (laughs) Is the Patriots find a way? This is a conversation. You know, I go, you go. I know, but that's what you start with. That's where you start. That's your starting point. The Patriots will find a way. That's the that's me giving the thesis. And then we got to we got to go into it more. Look. Okay, the Patriots are less skilled on both sides of the football. They were measurably better according to the advanced metrics on offense this season. No one would deny that. The Patriots offense was anemic this season. Look at Tom Brady's fantasy points. I mean, Tom Brady was not 
a QB1 in fantasy this year. Jared Goff was. Bro, Tom Brady's 41. Todd Gurley was a top five fantasy running back. Look at the defensive side of the ball. Both have similar weighted and unweighted DVOAs on footballoutsiders.com. But when you look at the skill positions, look at the defensive line group. Which would you rather have? The Rams defensive line or the Patriots defensive line? Big fan of Kyle Van Oy. Go, go Patriots. Patriots linebackers or Rams linebackers? Obviously, this is going to be skewed to the Rams because they on Patriots secondary or Rams secondary? Clearly the Rams secondary. Listen. What about offense? Rams quarterback or Patriots quarterback? Patriots quarterback. Rams offensive line or Patriots offensive line? Man, Patriots offensive line's been good. Not better than the Rams. They're the best offensive line in football. Patriots wide receivers or Rams wide receivers? Come on, Rams wide receivers. By a lot. The Rams are better, yet the Patriots are favored by two and a half. It is the most irrational line I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. I'm going to bet everything I have, my entire life savings, and the entire cash flow of Player Profiler and Roto Underworld on the Rams. And not just the Rams plus two and a half. Every Rams bet. Who's going to score first? Todd Gurley. Who will throw for more yards? Goff or Brady? Goff. Like every bet. Rams, 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 Rams. Rams. And this is coming from a Patriots fan. I love the Patriots, but there's a good chance the Rams completely steamroll them because they're so much better. The Patriots have played teams that are so much better than them before. I mean, it, this is nothing new. We've seen this happen. You know the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, right? Yeah, I remember it. You remember that loss to the Lions? They lost to Matt Patricia? Listen, teams lose games. But what I'm saying is... The Rams when, don't. When it comes down to it, coaching decisions, experience... Is Sean McVay a good coach? I heard Sean McVay is the smartest coach in the history of the league. Sean McVay is a better coach than Vince Lombardi. In fact, it would make sense that Sean McVay would win the Super Bowl because I heard they're thinking about changing the name of the Super Bowl trophy from the Lombardi trophy to the McVay trophy because he's such a smart coach. He's so impressive. He knows all the names of the opposing defense he's playing every week. He knows all the defenders' names, Nate. That's impossible. It's impossible to memorize 11 names. How does he do that? I think that you can mark my words. Inevitably. He's so smart. Sean McVay and the Rams are going to make some bad decisions on calls, on coaching decisions, and it's going to come back to haunt them. And this game. Now that is a hot take. You are first in the clubhouse. Is going to end. With the Sean McVay is going to blow this game take. That's right. He's going to blow this game. And the Patriots are going (laughs) to kick a field goal to win this game. Final score, 27-24 Patriots. Wrong. It'll be Rams in a mild blowout. Not a significant blowout. A minor blowout. I got Rams 38, Patriots 20. It's terrible. That's not a mild blowout. All season, the NFC has been far superior to the AFC. Shellacking. Listen, man. And the Patriots find a way to sneak into the playoffs after. Why? Because D. Ford has no spatial awareness whatsoever. Tom Brady throws an interception on that play. The narrative changes 180 degrees. Tom Brady has three interceptions in a big game that they lose. All of a sudden, Tom Brady is a hero 
and the reason why they're advancing to the Super Bowl. Why? Because D Ford doesn't know where the fuck he is on planet Earth. It was a bad play on D Ford's part. D Ford needs to bring Google Maps with him onto the field. <laughs> oh my God. Look, D Ford, he screwed up. There's no doubt about it. He cost him the game. He didn't just screw up. It wasn't like he was six inches over the line. D Ford was two yards into the Patriots' backfield. No, it wasn't. No, he wasn't. And that blue line from that angle makes it look so much more egregious. I laughed out loud when I saw how far over the line D Ford was. That's because D Ford's getting paid off by the NFL, man. D Ford was hanging from the goalpost. He was so far on the opposite side of the field. You go find me a clip. Somebody goes and talks to him, tells him to do it. D Ford was swinging from the goalpost. Okay, we should we should move on from this. The only reason I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl is because I wanted to talk about Gronk. And the question I wanted to ask you is... What about Gronk? You know they're going to put Aqib Tlaib on Gronk, and he might have one catch for eight yards. Well, Gronk doesn't wear a chain, so I'm not worried about it. But let me tell you this. If Gronk has a big game, <laughs> is there any chance... I mean, we already talked about this. I'm buying Gronk. I'm not overspending on Gronk. But if Gronk has a big game and flashes again, we saw him do it twice this year. He had two games where he was over 100 receiving yards. If we get that nostalgic big game out of Gronk, what are you doing? Are you just letting it be? It's possible with Gronk because what he could do is take the Toradol shot, lube up his back. Here we go. For one final game. He needs one more game. If they can lube Gronk up fully, get him completely juiced up for this game, he could go out and have eight catches for... 90 yards and a touchdown. It's very possible. And that could be the difference. I just don't see it. If he does that, and you have him in Dynasty, you must trade him immediately. Okay, so that's a resounding not buying for Matt Kelly. No, I'm not buying Gronk under any circumstances. He looks like a nutcracker out there. Like a wooden doll on Broadway. That's how Rob Gronkowski plays football nowadays. He looks so stiff. And it makes sense. You look at his medical history on playerprofiler.com. Scroll down to the medical history panel, and it's every body part injured multiple times. And the back is the most injured. And and the back controls everything. So there are only so many times you can hurt your back and keep playing football. If the circumstances were different, he didn't play with this coach and this quarterback that look like they're potentially on the, the last run and they may go, and who knows what Edelman's going to do in this whole thing. You know the Lions wanted to acquire Gronk for a king's ransom this offseason, and that's why Gronk was talking about retirement. He was essentially sending a signal to the Patriots that if you trade me to the Lions, I will retire. Right. That's how he blocked that trade. In the past, whether it be Lawyer Malloy or Richard Seymour, the Patriots have pushed the button on those trades. But recently, with Tom Brady versus Jimmy Garoppolo and with Rob Gronkowski, the Patriots have gone soft, dumping their veteran players before they expire. They used to get value from those veterans before they expired. Now, they're running out the clock on their veterans. It's just another area where the Patriots player personnel has been degraded over the years. Maybe they don't care, though. I mean, in all seriousness, how do we know that Belichick's not walking around and, and telling telling the people up above him saying, look, this is the last ride. We're going we're gonna to play it out. Well, that's the other problem. When Belichick was younger, he was playing for the now and for the future. Now he's just playing for the now. Right, right. The decision-making is all about the now. This franchise will implode sooner rather than later. I can't believe they're in the Super Bowl. 
And still nobody in that division's worth a shit. The Patriots are going to lose Brady, lose Gronk, lose Edelman, lose Belichick, and still finish number one in that division. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that's that's exactly right. Once Sam Darnold is fully online, if the Jets' defense is merely above average, then they will threaten the Patriots every season for the AFC East. It's going to be a race to the top at 7-9. and nine. <laughs> It's so fucking bad. I mean... That division's pathetic. Yes. You know what else is pathetic? The non-defensive pass interference call on Tommy Lee Lewis in the Saints game. That was a clear defensive pass interference. Do you disagree? I don't want to talk about it. No, we should talk about it. Now I want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about calls. We don't talk about bad calls in the show. It's a waste of time. You don't want to talk about it? It's a waste of brain power. Our listeners only have so much time with us on the podcast. I don't want to divert their attention to officiating when we could talk about literally anything else. Who cares if Jimmy Ray Lewis <laughs> wasn't afforded the opportunity to make a play on a ball, he probably would have dropped anyway. He's not good. If it's Michael Thomas, you're allowed to be mad. If it's Stevie Ray Lewis, I'm not interested. If it's a proven star performer, sure, he deserves that call. But if you're Drew Brees, you're going to launch it up to a nobody praying for pass interference. You deserve a no call. It's like if you throw it to Keith Kirkwood. Someone face guards Keith Kirkwood. Who fucking cares? It's Keith Kirkwood. What are you throwing to him in the first place? That's not a clutch player. Get out of here. Get out of here with Timmy Lee Lewis and get out of here with Keith Kirkwood. Get out of here with complaining about the officiating. Calls go both ways all game and all season. It all comes out in the wash. Only simple-minded sports fans who reap their identity from their local sports franchise waste time lamenting the calls made by officials who do this in their spare time. I don't think the fact that he's a no-name player should matter because... It does matter. No, wait, hold on, wait. It does matter because you're assuming he would have caught it. Oh, you ever heard of David Tyree? What, he's got about 40 catches in his NFL career? He wasn't interfered with! I'm just saying, miraculous things have happened with players that you've never heard of, so to say. And I would argue that Rodney Harrison should have interfered with David Tyree because they had no business throwing to a no-name player in that spot, and no penalty should have been called, and the Patriots should have won that game. Just to be clear, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame, first ballot quarterback, knew who was on the outside and decided to throw that ball in that situation to that receiver knowingly. Huge mistake. Okay. We should move on. <laughs> this, is, this is going terribly. You only think it's going terribly because you've been pizzoned by the podfather. Pizzoned. I'm, I'm trying to get in about Ricky Lee Lewis, and we can't get this thing squared up. And I'm just saying. The fact that, that we don't even know his name, and we dive deep into fantasy football dynasty leagues every week during the offseason, tells you all you need to know about Stevie Lee Lewis. <laughs> I would like to talk about deeper dynasty topics. I want to talk about the 2019 running back class because my Carson Wentz soliloquy crowded out some really good rookie running back analysis that we had queued up. So give me a handful of top running back prospects that you believe will exceed expectations in the NFL and that Dynasty Leaguers should consider in the first round of rookie drafts. 
Mm, mm. Okay. All right. We'll talk about running backs. And the thing here is, again, these guys aren't in a particular order. I know in the last week we talked about some names that I have inside my top 10, not necessarily at the front, but that was Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, and Justice Hill. Um, another name that a lot of people are aware of is Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia. Another another one of these Georgia backs. We've seen Chubb. We've seen Sony Michelle. We've seen Gurley. So it's kind of becoming the the running back production house but looking at Elijah Holyfield man just kind of like the pros to his game he's a strong runner with good bursts to the second level utilizes his jump cuts well and has these active light feet he's a fun player to watch but he looks like a really decisive inside runner but the the most impressive thing about Holyfield is when he gets on the outside for a guy of his size. I mean, and again, none of these backs in this class are are going to be the 225, 230. It's a rarity. In, in Holyfield's case, we're talking about 5'10", 5'11", 215 pounds. Um, he did not get used in the passing game. Yeah, why was he more productive last season? Uh, you know, it's, it's surprising considering Georgia's used some of their backs more frequently. Um, I don't know. They don't throw Calvin Ridley the ball either, apparently. So maybe this is the... DeAndre Swift commanded 32 receptions. Why DeAndre Swift and not Elijah Holyfield? Because DeAndre Swift is a superior talent to Elijah Holyfield, and uh, it's it's pretty evident when you watch him play. I mean, he didn't get used in the passing game. Just like Nick Chubb was a superior talent to Sony Michelle, but Sony Michelle has been incredibly productive. Sony Michelle's dynasty value has risen since the 2018 rookie draft season. So Michelle has accrued value in dynasty leagues, which is what you want. It sounds like Elijah Holyfield has an opportunity to do the same. He's coming out early. He's giving you a signal. Hey, I think I'm good. I just happen to be trapped behind one of the best running backs in college football, DeAndre Swift, and you can acquire me at value because DeAndre Swift crowded out opportunities from Holyfield. This is very much a Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham situation at the running back position in Georgia. The thing, the other thing that stood out to me as kind of a negative with, with Holyfield is that when you look at his biggest rushing performances in 2018, they came against Auburn, Middle Tennessee State, Kentucky, Georgia Tech, and Tennessee. And four of those five were ranked outside of the top 46 defenses against the run in 2018. Auburn was number 32. So he did well against middle-of-the-road teams and struggled a little bit against some of the better teams that he faced. But nonetheless, Holyfield has a lot of the skill set that you'd like, but he's not 225, and he's not a pass catcher, and he's being outplayed by another back that's in the same offense and is a younger, you know, uh, better talent. 32 catches, I mean, 1,000 yards. I mean, he was 9 for 76 with a touchdown against South Carolina. It wasn't like he destroyed Austin P. He only had 24 yards on five carries against Austin P. Who the fuck is Austin P? So he did his damage against SEC competition. He throw Texas out because that was a bowl game. All the other games he played, with the exception of Massachusetts and Austin P and Middle Tennessee State, were against SEC competition. He had less than 20 carries against non-power conference teams. Less than 20. 
So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, I mean, okay, you're not you're not factoring in then that there's a hundred of those yards are versus Middle Tennessee State. So one tenth of his rushing was in one game. Against- oh, I'm sorry. He took eight carries for a hundred yards against Middle Tennessee State. He shredded Middle Tennessee State. I'm just saying. I'm sorry he did that. You want him to fail against Middle Tennessee State? You want him to face plant against Middle Tennessee State? What do you want him to do against Middle Tennessee State? What this tells me is. They're using him lightly early in the season because they want to give him more carries against Florida, against Kentucky, against Alabama, against Auburn. Which would make sense, but then by your math, they also used him light in the middle of the season, then light again at the end of the season. That doesn't make sense. And the point is, just because you're in the SEC doesn't mean that those defenses don't play like shit sometimes. Those are SEC, and that is good competition, but we're always putting this weight. It's not Alabama. At the end of the day, his yards per carry was 6.4. That was an impressive yards per carry. That's fine. I'm not discrediting that. Yes, you're trying to discredit his yards per carry by saying, well, he had a great game against Middle Tennessee State. No, I named all those teams. You're stepping in the pothole that so many analysts step in. Kentucky is a perpetually awful run defense. You're parsing. Don't parse. I don't understand. You don't have the luxury of parsing with this class. We need to find a couple running backs we like and draft them. All the running backs in this class have flaws. You can parse and pick apart all the running backs in this class. I'm telling you, stop it. If we're going to ignore games when players rushed against teams that had bad rush defenses, then we may as well not look at the numbers at all. Because if that doesn't matter, then nothing matters. I mean, what else are we supposed to look at? You look at full season statistics and stop parsing so much. Well, he didn't break 100 yards over his last five games. You could talk yourself out of every player, but if you parse enough statistics and look at enough splits... He breaks 100 yards twice in the year. Once was against Middle Tennessee State. The other was against Kentucky. We already argued that the reason why he didn't receive more touches and he wasn't more productive is that he was crowded out by DeAndre Swift, a better player. But just because DeAndre Swift is excellent doesn't mean Elijah Holyfield isn't really, really good. I don't disagree. This is the argument about Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. I like both players. So what about Damian Harris? Do you feel the same was true with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs? Because I see some rankings have Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs 1-2. I see that a lot, too. I actually came away sort of underwhelmed with uh, Damian Harris. I mean, he's got back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons uh, his first two years. This last year, I mean, he's he's split a backfield the entirety of his career. Uh, I think the issue that's going to happen with Damian Harris is going to be sort of his dynamic ability. I don't know that he's going to be the most explosive running back to come out of this class. I like him as a receiver. He played with a really good quarterback this year for the first time in forever that Bama's had somebody like this. And he looks very fluid and natural as a receiver. Um, as a runner, he, he's got decent power, but that burst, I don't know that it's there. And in the open, I don't know if he's that electric either. So I question at the next level how dominant Damian Harris is actually going to be. Now, he averaged seven or more yards per carry over those 2,000-yard years, and he's typically ranked number one overall. But I just question some of this when you see his on-the-field traits. Alabama had an ability to throw the ball this year, and they did, and they did it well. And that had to have helped the run game. And this year he shared the backfield with numerous runners. I like Damian Williams because – I like Damian Harris because – I see how I said Damian Williams? I love Damian Williams so much. And I'm buying Damian Williams even now that his price has spiked in Dynasty. Still buying. 
I also like Damian Harris. Why? Because he has a 1,000-yard season on his resume. When he was competing for touches with other quality running backs who were drafted in the NFL, still out and posted 2,000-yard seasons, had a season with double-digit touchdowns, and then this year had a season with more than 20 receptions with prototypical size. So this is a player I like. So assuming he has at least average athleticism, I'll be inclined to lean by on Damian Harris. I don't, I'm not saying don't buy Damian Harris. I'm just saying he's going to get pushed up to the front of the draft classes, and I, I'm, I'm not taking him there. Walter Football has him at two. Guess where they have David Montgomery? It's got to be three then. 18. <laughs> <laughs> Walter. Walter Football! Walter! Walter. Walter doesn't know football. So, okay. Alabama running backs 1-2, David Montgomery 18. Cue the loser game show sound on Walter Football. <laughs> Who else you got? Let's talk about uh, Devin Singletary at a uh, Florida Atlantic. Ooh, yes. Yes. This triggered you. Oh, Devin Singletary. Oh, my <laughs> oh, gosh. This is getting very, very weird. Uh, okay, here's here's some of the stuff about Devin Singletary. First off, Devin Singletary, not feature size, but absolute workhorse monster rushing profile. But this is a guy that's going to come in at the combine, probably 5'9", five, 5'10", five, just a shade over 200 pounds. So the BMI is not going to be bad. If he's 5'9", 200 pounds, that's an average BMI. He went out and carried the ball 300 plus times as a sophomore and caught the ball 26 times as a true freshman. Wow. Wow. He has a 1900 yard season with 32 rushing touchdowns on his resume. I like him. And uh, I'll go into some of this analysis. What if he's athletic? What if he's athletic? Uh, He should be athletic. I mean, what if he's athletic? I don't think he's a better prospect than Daryl Henderson, who shares a ton of similarities here in stature, production, literally everything. I think Daryl Henderson's a superior talent, but we're talking about Devin Singletary. So, um, yeah, he was, a t- he was a total workhorse. You can see it by the numbers. I mean, the guy for a 200-pound back, pretty unbelievable. But uh, he can definitely shoulder the workload. Um, the, the stuff that always stands out when Daryl Henderson fucking monster rushed for 8.9 yards per carry for two consecutive seasons he's a monster i don't know how that's possible yeah he's a monster man Uh, he's an he's an absolute he also has a 24 reception season on his resume yes it's hard to choose i was told that the running backs in this class were not good what if devin singletary and daryl henderson are both athletic then what? What if Bryce Love is athletic? Then it sounds like this class might be stockpiled with five or six Aaron Jones prototypes. These guys are both going to be good. I, I like Singletary. I just think that Daryl Henderson's one of my favorites in this class. But, man, Devin Singletary, he, he has really good balance through contact. He finds good rushing lanes and ends up with a lot of chunk yards. As a receiver, he looks natural, but he's also super elusive. I mean, the the thing that came up here as, as one of my cons is that when you look at him as a freshman, he caught 26 balls. But look where we ended as a junior, just six receptions. So that offense really tailed away from using him as a receiver. Um, he lacks feature size, which, you know, 200 pounds in the NFL, it, it can definitely get by and it can be used, especially a guy like this who's got the elusiveness, but he didn't really face much real competition. I mean, at FAU, it's a, it's a middle-of-the-road um, schedule. 
And most of the good teams that he faced held him under four yards per carry. So that'll be one of those things that stands out. But he he should test as a good athlete. He's a little undersized. He's got the receiving ability. He's got the elusiveness. So this is a guy that I'm excited about. You know who has elusiveness? Andy Isabella. It is senior bowl season, and we have been traded to Andy Isabella footwork gifs this week. What do you think of Andy Isabella's footwork? <sighs> yeah. His footwork's really good. I think people are, are kind of drumming him up right here. You know, the Senior Bowl has been an opportunity for some guys to rise before. We saw it with uh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, for example. Cooper Cup was 6'2". Right. Andy Isabella is 5'10", 180. Right, right. I don't like that. The new slot receiver prototype in the NFL is a bigger receiver. I talked about it last week, and we're, we're almost complete with it. The breakout finder, all these rookies are going into it. The model is almost done, and I can tell you for a fact that looking at this profile, there's some things that stand out, and there's some things that are going to hurt him, and one of them is going to be uh, most likely level of competition. I mean, it, it analyzes these numbers that were produced, and it looks at who it was against, and that gets factored in. Um, a really good senior year, did it as a senior, didn't do anything as a freshman, didn't do anything as a freshman. And the big red flag on Andy Isabella's profile is the underwhelming sophomore season. You go back to the best prospects. Think Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin. Go look at that sophomore season. Oftentimes, the sophomore season is their best season. They have a year to acclimate to the level of competition. And they go out the following season after building rapport with their quarterback and absolutely shred. And then anything can happen in their junior season. But if they know they're good enough to come out, they just come out after their junior season, and then they become one of the best wide receivers in the league. See Juju Smith-Schuster. Andy Isabella played all four years at UMass. Right. And his sophomore season is a red flag. You know, and the issue is, uh, again, like kind of how we're going to score it in the breakout finder, he's not going to be rescued by a teammate score. He doesn't play with anybody that was necessarily a drafted player. So we can't we can't do the Riley Ridley argument where, oh, he played with seventh round pick Javon Wims or whatever. There isn't anything to that nature um, that, that's going to pop on this roster. You're not impressed with Sadig Palmer? <laughs> Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Listen, Nate. Listen. Oh, God. You could excuse away that anemic sophomore season. I mean, Andy Isabella was sharing a field. Say it. With Adam Brenneman. Yes. L'chaim. I just have to assume. I just have to assume. <laughs> right? Uh, Do you think he's related to iconic Cubs broadcaster Tom Brenneman? Uh I don't know. Probably in the same part of the country. Very possible. Should do a Wikipedia later on this. Um, or not. Or not. I won't. Or never think about that again. I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I like Andy Isabella. It sounds like you don't like Andy Isabella. At least you don't like him as much as these these Senior Bowl draft drones. <laughs> okay. Well, everybody always gets so hyped when the Senior Bowl comes around. I get it. Every time the Senior Bowl comes around, we don't have any other football. People are tweeting about the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares. And I like the Senior Bowl because you start to get some of these guys that you didn't get to see all year. But we saw Andy Isabella all year long. He had 102 catches. We know who he is. Yes, he is undersized. But to me, that doesn't always play a factor. I mean, we've seen T.Y. Hilton. We've seen Antonio Brown. Uh, in the future, you're going to see Rondale Moore. We're going to see some of these guys that are a little more slight. 
But Andy Isabella's profile and, and some of the tape, uh, the way that it aligns, I'll, I'll have more takes on this in the future, but I don't know that Andy Isabella is going to be one of these guys that supremely pops. I'd rather have Ryan Switzer. Olamide Zacharias. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Olamide Zacchaeus. Wait, it's Olamide? Olamide Zacchaeus. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. To the Zacchaeus family for hacking that name to pieces. It's going to be the most struggle-worthy name of your entire life. It's not Olamide. No, it's Olamide. I know. It's going to be tough. <laughs> and it's Zacchaeus. So he's uh, he's one of these guys that's getting a lot of run, too. Um, his profile is, is pretty impressive. Uh, this is a guy that was a high school running back. Came to Virginia, and he's... He's got the rushing profile. He's got the receiving profile. Um, there's there's just a lot to like about this. And I know he's 5'8", 190, so it feels like he's going to end up more gadget, more of a you know an outside speed weapon. But when you see a guy with a profile like this, it really does stand out. This is a guy that, that was an avid kick returner and did well when he was fielding those. And like I said, 1,000-yard receiving season set an all-time record for Virginia for receptions in a season. So this is a player that we should be excited about, and I, I'm excited to see how he does when he tests at the Combine. So we talked earlier about Damian Williams, and the problem with Damian Williams was he was hurt in his final season at Oklahoma, and then he came out. He had the opportunity to play a fifth year at Oklahoma, didn't take it, came to the NFL, coming off a 553-yard season. But when you look back one year at Damian Williams, he posted 34 catches in 2012. And standing 5'11", 211 pounds, when he came out of Oklahoma, he eventually pumped himself up to 220 pounds. You give me a 220-pound running back with a 34-reception season, that's what dynasty truther dreams are made of. But after he showed a true featured back skill set the last five weeks of the season, dynasty leaguers, thirsty for running back production, are bidding him up. Just like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry finished the season strong. He's being bid up. Damian Williams is being bid up. Are you buying Damian Williams? Do you think he'll be the featured back for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019? Man, that's a tough one. I, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to address the position. But yeah, I do believe that Damian Williams, at a minimum, is going to have the opportunity to run with this. I think that last game against the Patriots, that final game, sealed it for Damian Williams. Convinced the Kansas City Chiefs, that he is the guy moving forward, that he can be Kareem Hunt without the hotel lobby footage. I, I Yeah, I'm a fan of his game. I mean, obviously, he was impressive on some big stages. I mean, against Seattle, he gutted him. Um, I think that he's going to get the opportunity to run with this position and, and take the job, And but I do believe that the Chiefs are going to address it. Now, let's say that the Chiefs go and, and spend a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick on Daryl Henderson. I don't know that Daryl Henderson goes that late, but let's say Daryl Henderson goes in the early third. That's the type of guy that I could see push with his explosive ability and start to siphon off some of this opportunity because, to me, Damian Williams doesn't feel like this rock-solid player that has immovable opportunity. He doesn't. He doesn't have that. That's why we don't have him ranked in the top 25. But just outside the top 25, we have him ranked in the zone with Jarek McKinnon and Devontae Freeman. Running backs that are age 26, have put together productive seasons, or that we know have athletic profiles, and are poised for bounce-back seasons in 2019. 
I put Damian Williams in the company of Freeman and McKinnon. Do you agree? I think that's fair. And I think that Damian Williams, uh, you know, I love Freeman, but I think that Damian Williams can end up being much better than Jerick McKinnon because in all honesty, we've seen Damian Williams play exceptionally. My only concern. In a featured back role. Yes. What about Damian Williams versus Tevin Coleman? Damian Williams is given an opportunity to be a featured back and all he does is exceed expectations. Tevin Coleman, given the same opportunity in Atlanta, all he does is disappoint. Tevin Coleman is a year younger, but we have Damian Williams ranked higher. We also have Damian Williams ranked ahead of TJ Yeldon. We have Damian Williams ranked ahead of Jalen Samuels, another running back that rose up the depth chart due to injury. We have him ahead of Elijah McGuire. We have him ranked ahead of some impressive running backs, but I can't push Damian Williams ahead of a Matt Breida, a Philip Lindsay, a Chris Carson, younger players that were more productive when you zoom out and look at the entirety of the 2018 season. Damian Williams, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Damian Williams is, is good, though. He, he looks like he still had juice. Like, watching him run, he looks so explosive as a receiver, as a running back. I mean, clearly, he's got he's got something left in the tank. I mean, he's only 26. And I realize there's that decline, but this is a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of workload on him. Let me give you a contrived dichotomy. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. A young running back with draft capital, but he's proved exactly nothing in the NFL. Right. Another guy without draft capital, but he recently proved himself to be worthy of a featured back role in the NFL. Who you got? Rashad Penny or Damian Williams? Oh, that's a that is a tough one there with Chris Carson. Very, very tough one. I like it. Um, I gotta believe that eventually Damian Williams gets replaced. And I'm gonna go down burning with that take. I'm fine with that. Um I like him. So you're going down with Rashad Penny. I think I'm going down with Rashad Penny. Now, there's a college running back that reminds me a lot of Damian Williams. We mentioned him in a previous show. His name's Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson was productive earlier in his career, but he came back for his final season at Maryland and only played nine games, barely posted 500 yards. But if you go back to his sophomore season, which we like to do, most productive season, especially when it's the sophomore season, over 1,000 yards, 9.1 yards per carry with 16 receptions for over 200 receiving yards that season. So he has proven that he can be a primary back and shoulder a big workload when called upon, and he's 5'10", 212. So he was the size Damian Williams was when he came out of Oklahoma. So to me, Ty Johnson is the most underrated running back who could be a prototypical featured back in the NFL. If he tests well, I'm going to be aggressively targeting him. How about you? Um, it'll be interesting to see how he tests. This is definitely one of those guys that, that people are going to be waiting on because th that is everything for his draft stock because I think we've seen it over the past couple years. We've seen guys like Alvin Kamara come out with not a ton of collegiate production. We're here now. Josh Jacobs is going to come out with not a ton of collegiate production. We've seen Kenyon Drake come out with not a ton of collegiate production. And he's got it, though. Ty Johnson has the production. But even though it was a down year with, with time lost with only nine games as a senior – I don't think that that's a nail in the coffin for him. So I think if the athleticism shows and the team falls in love with him and we, we see that he shows that he can run those routes at the combine, I mean, he's got 16 receptions on his profile. So it's much better than somebody like Bryce Love 
you know, to at least have that amount of receptions. You know, unfortunately, he doesn't have more. That's right. Ty Johnson's ceiling is higher than Bryce Love at the next level. It's not a death sentence. So Ty Johnson's, you know, he's a he's a tough runner, man. I um, mean, he's got requisite size at, you know, 212, 215. So according to you, Tyler Johnson's final season was not the nail in the coffin, nor was it a death sentence. <laughs> right, right. Couple, <laughs> couple of those mixed in there. I imagine there's going to be a horn going off. If he proves himself at the combine, he could certainly vault upward because he's got the background. People are going to go back and and look at his tape. They're going to want to know, okay, what do we miss? You know, we've had guys come to the combine before and shred it. And then suddenly you go, okay, I got to go back and take a look at this guy. How is he coming out of nowhere and proving this athleticism? Did I see that on the field? Is it in the numbers? So he's one of those guys, I agree, that could be primed for a big rise. And maybe he tests well, but his draft capital is a fourth-round pick. He's one of those guys that you might want to draft you know, in the early second, late first, knowing that he could ascend over, say, a Damian Williams or one of these teams that has an incumbent runner that is potentially bound to be replaced. I believe you'll be able to draft him in the second and third round. I think you'll be able to get him where you were getting Marlon Mack a couple of years ago. So I'm excited to draft him this season, assuming he tests well. Now, let's close it out with a game. Oh, no. New game for the Sonic Truth Podcast, Yup or Nope. Hmm. But we have a special guest today. He is a hip-hop star. He'll be helping us with this game. His name is E-40. <laughs> God. And he has a song called Choices. Check it out on YouTube. E-40 Choices. Or don't. And he will help transition us as we go down the list of players playing this game. And the game is simple. If this player is falling in rookie drafts, will Nate draft him? That's it. That's all. Oh, man. I hope to play this game multiple times because we're going to play it with running backs now. And we should do wide receivers of the next show. Extremely nervous right now. Palms are sweaty. We're going to go straight down the Walter football running back rankings. Oh, mama. We'll put the spotlight on E40 while embarrassing Walter football in the process. <laughs> God, this is this is going to be terrible. So we will elevate E40 and bury Walter football. If Josh Jacobs falls, are you drafting him? Yep. You a boss player? You a Mac? Yep. If Damian Harris falls, are you drafting him? Yep. Now you clean it in a bar dove soap? Yep. That's correct. Benny Snell Jr. Yep. She bringing you the dough? Yep. Justice Hill. Yep. You can fly overseas? Yep. Bryce Love. Nope. Scared of the dark? Nope. Yes, according to Walter Football, Bryce Love is a top five running back in this class. <laughs> yeah, man. Apparently he's ranking them by intelligence level. Mike Weber. Uh, nope. Mike Weber falls. Are you drafting him? Are you pushing the button? Are you stepping into the breach? Oh, God, I'm saying, I'm saying nope, man. I'm saying nope. Nork? Nope. I have to say nope to somebody. Here's a layup. Devin Singletary. God, I'll go yup. Have money, have heart? Yup. Of course yup. <laughs> Miles Gaskin? Man, I like him. Washington puts out some stud athletes. I'm going to give a yup here. Shark? Yup. Wes Hills from Slippery Rock. Uh, nope. Sober as a gopher? Nope. 6'2", 218, and will run fast. 
Where is Slippery Rock? Are you not aware of Wes Hills? Where is... So you just said no, but you don't even know this player? Where is Slippery Rock? It's in Pennsylvania. It's not good when you don't know if the player's name is Slippery Rock or the college is Wes Hills. <laughs> right? Which which one's the college? Which one's... <laughs> That's where we've gotten nowadays. This is an embarrassing time for all of us. i got to be honest with you. I've seen the name. I've done no research on Wes Hills. Clearly. Yeah, you sound like a fool when talking about Wes Hills. Not on my radar. He's on Walter Football's radar. Yeah, well. Be better, Nate. Sorry. Sorry. Wes Hills, 247 attempts, 134 rushing yards, 17 rushing touchdowns, and in the receiving game, another 28 receptions for 193 yards. Scouts also believe he will test very well. And and when he falls into the third and fourth round, Nate Liss is not drafting him because he didn't do his research. Because I, I have not done my research on uh, Slippery Rock. Remind me to call Walter Football when the show is over to see if he wants to do the Sonic Truth podcast. Get him on here. Get what's his, Is his name Walter? Yeah, his name's Walter Football, clearly. It's la- last name Football. That's the name of their site, Walter Football. Zach Moss. Yep. Bless moves, him active in the streets. Yep. Zach Moss is underrated. L.J. Scott, the plotting L.J. Scott. Nope. You softer than a sock? Nope. Windmill Slam, Isaiah Holyfield? Yep. You solid as a rock? Yep. Karen Higdon. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go nope on all Michigan backs for the rest of my life. So we'll finally have our first woman in the National Football League. God, don't do that. Karen Higdon. From Michigan. This is a huge moment. Why is this not bigger news? I don't even want to interrupt this take right now. This has gotten insane. I love the idea that that there's a running back named after my mom's work friend. (laughs) I don't think it's Karen. (laughs) Bro. (laughs) How about a running back named Daryl Henderson? What if he falls? You say Justice Hill? Daryl Henderson, one of the best running backs in this class from Memphis. That Daryl Henderson. Not named Karen. Yep. Ears to the scanner. Yep. <laughs> Why do you keep saying Karen? Jalen Moore from Appalachian State. Nope. Still live in the track. Nope. Yeah, Jalen Moore has that incredible combination of being undersized and not athletic. <laughs> Dexter Williams. Uh, nope. Got some property? Nope. Jordan Scarlet. We're getting low on this list, but I'm getting excited. Uh, I'm going to go nope. Never been a sucker or a pussy. Nope. How about a running back that no one's heard of named David Montgomery at 19? I don't go this low on the list. I don't know who that is. I'm going to say yup. Did she ride you like a bike? Yup. But there's a chance that he doesn't hit because his projected draft round is four to six. The pride of North Dakota State, Bruce Anderson. Yup. Was our pussy tight? Yep. <laughs> Coming strong on Big Bruce. You know Big Bruce Anderson? Yeah, we love Big Bruce. Last, oh, and perhaps least. Oh, no. Would you step into the breach and draft Rodney Anderson? Bro, bro, who wouldn't step in for a little Rodney Anderson love? College profile, little thin due to some things. I mean, he's big and potentially very athletic. Yep. Driver Maserati? Yep. Coming out early, am I allowed to like Rodney Anderson? I think I think you should like Rodney Anderson. 
I think Rodney Anderson's way too low on the Walter Football 2019 running back prospect rankings. I think Rodney Anderson's way too low on the Walter Football 2019 running back prospect rankings. I didn't get to Travis Homer. I didn't get to Alexander Madison. I didn't get to Demaria Crockett or James Williams or Travion Williams. Now, the thing with James Williams is Washington State doesn't run the ball. So how do you even know how good he is? Well, they run the ball, but... Walter Football hates Travion Williams. We never talk about him, but a lot of people like him. A lot of draft Knicks have Dam- have Travion Williams in their top five. Travion Williams was a monster. 1,700 yards and 18 touchdowns? Walter Football has him ranked 25th. Travion Williams has to be in the top 10, does he not? Um... 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 I can't believe you didn't say Quran one time. You just kept saying Karen. I was like, I'm not going to interrupt this. I'm just going to let this roll. I was hoping you'd say Quran just one time. Didn't do it. Didn't save it. Oh, Lord. Can you believe they're going to have a woman football player in the NFL? I can't believe you did that. (laughs) I guess I can, but. My mom's friend, Karen. Oh, God. What happened? What happened? Yeah, that episode felt clunky. Because it wasn't good, Nate. This was a very bad show and a colossal waste of everyone's time, most of the listeners. The listeners will pay the ultimate price. We had 35 seconds of dead air. Felt like minutes. I didn't feel strong about any takes. Our prep was was non-existent. Correct. God, I, I was like, you know what? Let's just go to the game. Maybe E40 can save this. Maybe E40 can save this abortion of a show. <laughs> <laughs> we just weren't prepared, man. I mean, this is what happens when we just show up and just whip it out and try to make something happen. It's a struggle. It was an objectively bad show. At no point in the show did I say to myself, this is going well. And I'm going to have to go into the editing room like I always do and pull another rabbit out of my hat. <laughs> I was the whole time I was just holding on. Oh, my God, this is going to get better. It's got to get better. And it never did. Oh, God, don't go to Walter football. <laughs> Lord. Walter football. Oh, Walter. Walter. Walter doesn't know football. Did we talk about Tyler Lockett? Him and uh, Russell Wilson are, uh, I think, the first quarterback-receiver combo to have a perfect passer rating. Yeah, his QB rating when targeted is 158.3, number one in the league. 
problem was is Hograite, when he was on the field, his targets per snap, only 8.2, 108th in the league. They're planning on extending Russell Wilson at $35 million a year and then asking him to hand it off 450 times a year. Fans are so ass backwards on this. Like, if you're going to pay Russell, you want him to throw the ball. It's what he does well. Why are we asking him to hand it off? Let him throw the ball. Okay, I just want 600 pass attempts. Just type in E-40 choices. The song's terrible, but the thing is, the thing is, it's it's catchy. I get what you're saying. In its rawest form, yes, it's catchy. I would have never written it because it's just hyper lame. Wait, what? It's a lame song. I love this song. That actually reminds me, can we please cue up Juvenile? Back that ass up. Everybody got choices. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. I don't think Marshawn heard the song. He's like, hey, man, just send me a video file of you waving. I can hear it right now. I can hear it in my head. It's a low-tone hip-hop with a little Rioja. Feeling smooth. Drinking a little wine. Unwinding on the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. That's what I do. I stand out at big dealerships, me and my father, and we just yell at the people as they roll the new car off the lot and let them know that it already depreciated. So my, so my people do on the weekends. I knew you were going to bring it back to my people. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to go ethnic stereotype. It was like in my head I was counting it down. Three, two, one, ethnic stereotype. Your dad's stuck to that bread. <sighs> I guess. Hollow bread. Boy. Um, Andy, yeah. I mean, what if he's athletic? He's a monster. You know, my dad doesn't follow me on Twitter. My dad still doesn't use computers. He has a remote control. That's as far as he needs to go. Who the fuck is Austin P? If Jimmy Ray Lewis wasn't afforded the opportunity to make a play in a ball, he probably would have dropped anyway. But if you're Drew Brees and you're going to launch it up to a nobody praying for pass interference, you deserve a no call. Get out of here. Get out of here with Timmy Lee Lewis and get out of here with Keith Kirkwood. Just to be clear, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame, first ballot quarterback, knew who was on the outside and decided to throw that ball in that situation to that receiver knowingly. Huge mistake. You've been pizzoned by the Podfather. Each, each week now, I find myself teaching you how to make sounds. Last week, it was the... Oh... I don't know why I think of that as such a sensual noise. Well, Gronk doesn't wear a chain, so I'm not worried about it. He looks like a nutcracker out there. The Patriots have gone soft. And still nobody in that division's worth a shit, worth a shit, worth a shit. It's going to be a race to the top at 7-9. and nine. He was the only person, over 30 individuals, went and bought cookies for my daughter, who chose the in-person delivery option thousands of miles away Nate List chose in-person delivery yes just think about all those boxes of cookies you guys can snack on that I'm not snacking on oh oh we forgot to talk about Larry Fitzgerald's dynasty stock Jesus Christ one more year good for him he's your age you should be happy for him he's my age aren't you older than me Will they have a separate shower for Karen Higdon in the locker room? Are you really doing this? (laughs) I don't think it's Karen. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is the saddest part ever. Can we just move along? The day you decide to go to the Senior Bowl is a big win. I can't wait to go to the Senior Bowl and report back. Did you approve this through Mrs. Kelly? <laughs> the PTSD. Every Seahawks fan has Malcolm Butler PTSD. <laughs> You're seeing ghosts. <laughs> That's what Dynasty Truther dreams are made of. Where is Slippery Rock? It's not good when you don't know if the player's name is Slippery Rock or the college is Wes Hills. Yeah, you sound like a fool when talking about Wes Hills. He's on Walter Football's radar. Be better, Nate. Remind me to call Walter Football when the show is over to see if he wants to do the Sonic Truth podcast. Yeah, we love Big Bruce. He's so smart. It did, you know, like jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Why? Because D4 doesn't know where the fuck he is on planet Earth. D. Ford needs to bring Google Maps with him onto the field. D. Ford was swinging from the goalpost. Yes, Lachaim. I asked him, I was like, have you followed an outraged Jew because he doesn't have enough followers? He really needs more pity followers. And he was like, I don't know who that is and I'll never follow him. Is that all? <laughs> oh, God. Is that all? Is that all? Yes, Nate. In fact, when it comes to... To Carson Wentz in Dynasty? When you listen to the last show, I can tell you with definitive certainty, yes! That is all! Yes, Lachaim. Well, let's move off of Josh Allen. Can we, can we go back? That's a hacky radio transition. Okay, Matt, that was a great conversation about Josh Allen. Let's now talk about the New England Patriots and the Super Bowl that's coming up. What do you think about this game, Matt? I don't sound like that. Your contribution is, let's talk about the Super Bowl. It's a, big, it's a big football game coming up. What would I have done without this note to talk about the Super Bowl? Is that all you got on the Super Bowl? Go Patriots. Tim Tebow is not good. Blake Bortles is not good. And Josh Allen is not good. Yes, Lachaim. Wait, it's Olama Day? He'll be helping us with this game. His name is E40. <laughs> God. Palms are sweaty. We'll put the spotlight on E40 while embarrassing Walter Football in the process. This is going to be terrible. Elevate E40 and bury Walter Football. So bad. Yeah. He's so bad. You're an asshole. What are you talking about? Initially yeah. terrible. That looks like a garage door. No. Oh, he's in front of a computer that doesn't work. Yeah. It's a uh, compact presario. For some reason, we saw like eight doors. I see Snoop Dogg, but I also see five doors, and I don't know what any of them are about. Oh, I guess they're choices. Door number one, door number two, door number three. You've seen game shows, Nate. You know who's in this is MC Hammer. Look at all these cameos. Kaepernick, you see Cap? Nicki Minaj, uh, yeah, that was a game. T.I.'s in this. I'm pretty sure I saw Matt Waldman back there. 
I don't know what that means. Which one? Gouda? You got a thumper, got a Ruda? You know what that means? You can cry if she leaves. said Roto Ruder. You can fly overseas. Everybody got choices. I choose to get money. I'm stuck to this bread. Why is he stuck to the bread? I don't understand that part. What do you mean you're stuck to the bread? Is it wet? Is the bread wet? It's like a braces thing. I think it's a braces comment. These niggas be hating. I already know, but I never go broke. No, no, no. I'm stay getting money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You guys see a dude in a wheelchair with a violin? Yeah, I love the violin. Any anything with violins, I love. Okay, now this is what I'm thinking of when I heard that last song. Cash money records taking over for the nine nine in the two thousand. Do you think this is cooler or lamer than Choices? This was way more iconic. This was like the biggest song of the year. But the rhyme scheme, the idea, rhyming off the same, like, syllable. Everything is a version of yeah. Basically. Wait, wait so I guess you're right. Actually, that's, that makes, I didn't realize that until just now, you pointing that out. He's not actually rhyming. He's just saying whatever he wants to say and then ending with yeah every time. Yeah, and he's got all these people. Now, Juvenile didn't have Steven Jackson, but he's got a variety of rears. And that's the difference. This was a very popular song. Number one in the country. I'm older than you. I know this song was completely fucking huge. This was a giant song. It was huge. Also, a lot of pantsuits for some reason. Not sure. Yeah. I want to let this one run. This video makes more sense than Choices because he's on the other side of the fence where the artists are and the crowd is on the crowd side of the fence and they're super squish like Palestinians. <laughs> and he's like an Israeli soldier. A certain thing to say, yeah, he's like on the opposite side of a chain link fence and everybody's grabbing at it. Most videos you see, Ugh. whether it's a rock band or a hip hop group, in these situations, they're like drinking alcohol. These guys have bottles of water. There's Lil Wayne, dude. That's young Lil Wayne. Ah. Sorry, Lil Wayne. Did I call him Lil Wayne? I meant Lil Wayne. Doesn't matter. Disrespect him all you want. He's terrible. Lil Wayne is so bad. I cannot stress enough how bad Lil Wayne is. Is that all?